Welcome to a new episode of Doctrine and Doxology. Hello, we are glad that you're here, and welcome to the first new episode of a new year. 2023. We haven't been on here in a year. Wow. That's not true. Seems like it's been less than a year, but I guess it was last year. We've been really inconsistent since November. Yes, we have. We need to uh, straighten that up. Well, I hope that this is the effort to do that. I mean, I think it's okay that we took off for Christmas and yeah, other, other matters. A lot of people did. You know, a lot of people were on holiday, so... Did you listen to any podcast over holiday? No, there were none. <laughs> see. Well, the ones I normally listen to, they didn't uh, transmit. Transmit. Well, we are transmitting today uh, the first episode of a new year and excited to hopefully, I think we've said this before, but hopefully establish a pattern in consistency here. That's that's. Something we should strive for, absolutely. Get, get back on track here, yeah. back on the rails. We are picking up where we left off, finishing a discussion that we didn't finish last time. Yeah. A discussion on the doctrine of creation. Well, the creation of man. Oh, creation of man specifically. Specifically, creation of man. Mm. Because there's a lot of things happened after God created man. You know, it it was very good. Yes. Very good. And then it was very bad. Yes, when left to their own. Yeah, and then man fell into sin. Bada bing, bada boom, we need a Savior. So, Genesis 1, God creates everything and at the end creates Mankind. Yes. Genesis 2, a bit more detailed in the creation accounts of mankind. Yes. It makes male and female. And then Genesis 3, we find man and woman, male and female, living in a garden, uh, existing how they're supposed to exist. Right, right. With the relationship with God and the harmony of creation, working and tending the garden, doing the things that they're supposed to do. Right. You wonder how long that happened? I mean, yeah, I wonder, but I've never given it serious. Well, you can't thought. give it too serious thought because, you know, here they are. Then they ate the apple or the fruit and uh, the forbidden fruit. And then they hide themselves. Do you think that's a fair way, right way to say it? They hid themselves? No, they ate the forbidden fruit. I mean, that, yes, that is what they did. Yeah. But isn't it more so they disobeyed God? Yes, they did. I mean, the fruit wasn't the the issue necessarily. It was the fact that God said, don't eat that fruit. That's correct. They disobeyed God, and they did what God said don't do, and which is eat of that tree. Yes. And thus sin enters creation. Right. And the world becomes fallen, creation becomes fallen. And it got bad really quick. Humanity is fallen. Seems like it got bad really quick. Cain slew Abel. Slew? Slew. Speak English. He killed his his brother, brother, Abel. Well, first, the very first thing we find in 
Genesis 3 after sin is the relationship with God broken. That's true. I mean, immediately after they disobey God and eat of this tree, uh, the very next detail is that God comes in the cool of the day and they're hiding. Well, they're ashamed of themselves. Yes. Who told you you were naked? And he knows that God's giving them a chance to, I believe, confess. Right. But that's the that's the first fracture we we kind of get. Well, I guess technically speaking, the first fracture is between Adam and Eve. They realize they're naked and they're ashamed and embarrassed and they hide. Right. And it, you already see there that something's not right. Right. But, but then exactly. that's really manifested and magnified when God comes into the garden to presumably do what he's what he is customary to him to do for yeah. him to do walking with them walk with them interact with them spend time with them fellowship with them and and that's that relationship is obviously broken also correct and so they hide from god uh and then immediately as god gives them the opportunity to take responsibility for their actions and confess their sin uh, instead of doing that really they begin to blame one another absolutely or adam blames eve eve blames the snake the s- Yep. And then God puts pronounces punishment on all three of them. That's true. That rounds out Genesis 3. And he shoes them out of the garden. Yeah, he gives them clothes, kills first animals. Yeah. He covered their sin. Does that strike you as uh, significant? You read that as he covered their sin? Yes, you, I do. You read the covering their nakedness to be the covering of their sin? He provided a covering for them from an animal, which is also used later to cover sins. Yes. The blood of the animal covers the sins or postpones them until Christ, our ultimate sacrifice, did the final covering of sin by his shed blood. Well, that's one way to look at it, for sure. He closes them, he pushes them out of the garden, and he says, don't come back. He could have made made them out of cotton. But he chose the skin of an animal. Okay. He could have done a lot of things. I know. Obliterated creation. That's kind of the way I look at that, but I may be completely wrong, but I don't think so. So we, in this doctrine of the creation of man, we started out um, a few... Weeks ago, I think just one episode ago, right. with the glory of God in creating, um, the mere pleasure and desire of God to create, the purpose of God creating yeah. Why us. Why did he create man? Yeah. Today, he we, wasn't lonely. Right. Um, wasn't needy. Today, we shift into what went wrong, really, and that is this Genesis 3 summary. Right, right. That God created humanity in this wonderful, very good sort of way, and they were the image of God and celebrating uh, their relationship with God, and then sin comes because of Genesis 3, and all of that is broken or corrupted and tainted because of this sin, and now that's the state we exist in. And just like you said, Genesis 4, the very next chapter, the very next story or account that we get in the Scriptures is of a brother killing a brother. And I... I think that's very important because the the curse or the penalty that God gave to Adam was that you're going to die. Correct. But then the next account isn't just death from old age. It's murder. 
Yes, and that's it's, right. And it's not just murder of one stranger to another stranger. It's a brother murdering another brother. That's true. I mean, I, true. Think, I think it just rams really quickly how how deeply embedded sin is in our hearts. Right. And Cain murdered right. Abel because he hated him. He was mad. He was jealous. And then that translates right after he murders his brother, he's at enmity with God. Yeah, yeah. Sin's crouching at the door. And so it's just this cycle that continues to repeat itself over and over and over all the way through that humanity and their horizontal relationships are broken with each other. Humanity and their vertical relationship with God is broken. Right. We're still in God's image, though. Yeah. But not not as but not like we were in a tainted way, in a yeah. stained way. A I think we could even borrow Paul's language from. Well, I think it's first Corinthians. Uh, in a veiled sort of way. Okay. We're the image yeah. of God, but but veiled or clouded. Well, it also brings the importance of why Christ had to come to earth, why Christ had to come to earth to die for our sins. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like the whole flowing story of now we are in, we're separated from God because of our sin, and we need something or someone somehow to come and, make things right yeah so it kind of points it does point to jesus as the ultimate sacrifice that makes us again right with god right so that's the hope that's the gospel story right god creates us right right we sin against god uh and therefore if we're going to be reconciled to god we need a savior and that's jesus i I think it would be worth stopping and, and going back and asking ourselves it might might seem simple and straightforward to us, but I think thinking it through or teasing it out can be okay. beneficial. Okay. Why was disobeying God such a big deal? I mean, why is that sin? God said, don't eat of this fruit. And then they did it. And it's of such magnitude that everything's changed forever. I mean, so why is, why is it such a big deal to disobey maybe a, what we would call a, a harmless command or well if you whatever. could disobey god in a simple command they will progress to where you disobey him in all of his commands yeah and so he gets he gets to set the standard okay he's a standard setter if you will well yeah because he has to make up all the rules and here we are we just are called to obey and the first thing they did was disobey God. They put themselves before God and uh, wanted to be God themselves, I think. Yeah. They're breaking the first commandment that doesn't come till the several books later. Uh, have no other gods before me. And you think they were placing themselves as God? Yeah, I think so. That was one of the words the serpent used. Uh, you'll be like God. Yeah. So you're building yourself up, putting your in, putting yourself in his place. Yeah, I, th- I think if we just consider how straightforward or maybe even, if it's okay to use this word, maybe how simple that command was, and yet the result of breaking it or disobeying it is so catastrophic. Right. I think it just shows us how serious sin is 
and how serious God is about his holiness and his, and our sin and and his authority and obeying him. Right. I mean, we're talking about the one who has the only rightful claim to supreme authority. Yes. In in both prerogative as creator, but also in pure power to back it up, back up his claim. That's right. I mean, <laughs> anybody can claim the throne of a king, but only those who can back up that claim get the throne. That's true. God has the prerogative to lay claim to his throne, the throne of creation, and he's got the power to back that up. And yes. then humanity says, no. Well, you know, you you see made in the likeness of God. Adam and Eve made in the likeness of God, and it was very good. Then sin entered the world, and then we're still kind of in his likeness, but we're not because of sin. And then when Christ came, when you receive Christ as your Savior, then you start the transformation process back to being more and more like God. Until eternity. Yeah, until until it's finished Yeah, in, in eternity. And then we live with, dwell with, exist with God. And then we'll be like Him. Without disobeying Him. But I, I think the process of... Uh, Becoming more and more like Christ, which is more and more like God, is exciting because it's it's a walk, kind of like Adam and Eve had before the fall. They walked with God, but and, still more sin. Well, there's still sin in this old heart. Yeah, but I, I know I'm being conformed more and more into the likeness of Christ, right? Which is encouraging, and when I walk through a day, and walked with Christ through the day it it's encouraging it makes me excited it gives me uh goosebumps <laughs> goosebumps goose well i don't i don't know how to explain it it's kind of like the uh the the woman at the well and jesus said uh that i'll give you water that will spring up into eternal life and i i consider that bubbling up it's just kind of a overflow of joy and peace that comes with walking with Christ. Yeah. I want to go back again to the first instance of disobedience. Okay. Um, and just kind of remind us first of the magnitude of even the slightest disobedience to God. Right. Uh, right. Again, he, he not only demands it, but deserves Devotion and obedience and complete obedience. Yeah, absolutely. All those things. But I want to go back to and say I I take a different view towards you know, there's always this debate over the original sin. Okay. What was the original sin? And I grew up hearing uh and have heard way more, I mean it's not even close, way more times I've heard uh people think it's pride. Pride was the first sin. Okay. Um, which sounds great, right? They wanted to be like God and make sense. We're all prideful, et cetera, et cetera. That's our nature. I don't think that if if I was to have to give a technical answer to what the first sin was, I don't think it's pride. Okay. I think. Okay. Drum roll. We're ready for this. I think it's disbelief. Okay. 
I think it's the sin of unbelief. And I think that's the most fundamental sin of humanity. So they didn't believe what God said the consequence for their sin would be. They believed a lie over the truth. And that's Romans 1. Right. He exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They, yes. they listened to something and believed the words of the snake or the serpent rather than the instruction and words and warning that God gave them. Yeah, we could call the snake the deceiver. Yeah. So I, I think it boils down to they, they weighed their options and didn't believe God anymore. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that that was necessarily had to be an intentional even conscious thing where they, you know, start a pros and cons list. <laughs> but I'm I'm saying I think deep down and, and kind of embedded in it all is God issued this instruction and they didn't believe his word. Okay. And so that opened them up to believe something else, which happened to be this lie and everything else falls apart. Well, so that's, that rings true today. Yeah, I, I think it's that sin of unbelief that germinated and as a seed and gave birth to the sin of pride and then the right. sin of arrogance and so on and so forth. And yeah, I think that's what we see today. People are in trouble with God because they're not believing. Right. It reminds me of the wages of sin is death. People not believing that. Well, God's a good God. He's a loving God, so he won't kill me. Yeah. I won't experience what we know as the second death. Yeah. Or uh, my sin's not that big a deal, or God doesn't even exist. I mean, isn't that Paul's kind of argument in Romans 1? Like creation testifies to God. Yes, he does. You're, you're without yes, it a, does. You're without excuse. You look at creation and refuse to believe what it's saying. Or today, if you've got access, if you're in our context and you've got access to the Bible, you don't believe what the Bible says. Right. I right. think it always comes down to, even for Christians who are saved but still wrestling with sin, I think it always comes down to an issue of belief. Right. Do I actually believe God's Word when He says this is wrong and this is right? Yeah, that's true, but it also muddled in there is your relationship with God. Yeah. Do you love God to the point that you're his servant? You're going to obey him. I want to do this because God said to do it. But you have to believe him because before you can love him. True. I mean, that's But he, you're talking about Christians today. You know, because sometimes yeah. they, we... Yeah. Uh, get caught up in our own lust yeah get caught up in our own desires so we're not following god and his teachings as faithfully as we should and as we love him more and grow in his in our relationship with him as we're being conformed more to his likeness then we're walking in more obedience i just think whatever deficiency we have or whatever area our struggle is can always be traced back deep down to the start of unbelief. So I'm I don't believe I don't believe what God says about himself and therefore I don't love him as much as I should. I don't believe 
uh, like I should when it comes to what God's done for me. And so I don't love right, him like right. I should. I don't believe the warnings about going down this path of sin. Uh, and so I, I dabble in this wickedness or that. Or I don't believe in how big and powerful and awesome God really is. And that he would love us and, and desire us and die for us. Right. And so, you know, my relationship with him is pretty stagnant or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm not saying again that it's this conscious, let me think about this. Do I believe this or not? I th- I think it's just our sin is an expression ultimately of some sense of unbelief. Okay. That's a good point. That if we would stop and weigh things and really consider things and choose or or act on true belief in what God says, what God's done, who God is, it would change the way that we live and think and et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. And so I would go back to Adam and Eve and I I think, yeah, they disobeyed and that is sin and that is a punishable offense. Correct. But correct. I but I think first in their heart also they disbelieved. And and that is maybe less less rebellious in the terms of disobedience and more insulting to a God who only tells the truth. Right, right. To only always tell the truth and think and then to have somebody to think that I'm lying to them or, or that um, they don't believe me. So Eve didn't believe God and believed the serpent. Yeah. What is Adam's excuse? He didn't believe God either. So when Eve said, here, honey, have a bite of this. It's awesome. Yeah, whether whether he was present to hear the snake's lies or not, he believed what his wife was telling him. At the so very he, least, he that's at the very least. At the very least, her instead of what God said. Even if even if he didn't positively believe her, he still, at the most basic level, didn't believe God's warning about the fruit. Right. And I'm not, I don't think, first, I don't think Adam was deceived in the sense of, I don't think Eve tricked him into eating. I think Adam would have known quite clearly what the fruit was and what it looked like because God pointed out that tree and then Adam had the responsibility of telling Eve about God's command concerning right, that right. tree. Let's go look at that fruit and I want to make sure, I mean, I do that with my own family, right? When I have something very important right, that I want to stress to them, I, I say, and I go to great lengths, no, look at this, take a good hard look at this. I want you to avoid this. I think God did the same with Adam and Adam did the same with Eve and they weren't mistaken when this fruit falls into their lap what it was yeah they wasn't like laying under the shade of that tree and it accidentally fell into their mouth yeah and they just started chewing or something (laughs) no so i think that that is a first level i i'm not i'm gonna not believe what god said about this my wife's okay she ate it the snake's okay he seems to be nice he's telling me what i want to hear interesting that's good. That's a good uh, concept. Now, were they enticed by their own pride? Yeah, I think they were enticed by pride in their heart. But I think that pride only came after the fact that they chose to 
abandon what God had said. And so mm. I'm saying when we think about the the fallenness of mankind, we think about Genesis 3 and sin coming into creation. I think we should think about it in both terms of disbelief, I mean uh, disobedience, and then disbelief, that we rebelled against God and actually actively, proactively did that which he told us not to do. But we also insulted God in saying, we don't think he's telling the truth. That's good. And so that, I think, brings both this internal, external, passive, proactive component to sin that just shows us how permeating it really is to our entire nature. Well, like like you mentioned earlier, sometimes it's very small and then it grows. So yeah. and it grows to the point that we find ourselves in deep trouble. And it grows quick. Yeah, so I think it's it's whoever's faithful in the little things will be faithful in the big things. Absolutely. So I think that's that's our that's the what I desire is to be always faithful in the small things. You know, just there's a definitely a line, and if it's shades to the wrong side of that line, just to uh, just say no. I agree. And ask God to help you say no. I agree. But it is it also points us to our need for redemption, our need for salvation consequence of our sins the lake of fire the death that uh, God mentioned to Adam yeah uh, you will surely die and I think he's definitely referencing the lake of fire the second death and and sometimes we forget what Jesus has saved us from the word saved is throughout the Bible especially New Testament yeah he will save them from their sins he will save them he will save them yeah you have to realize that you are saved from suffering the consequence for your own sin, yeah. the lake of fire. Major act of mercy and grace Yeah, and love. For yeah. by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2. Yeah. And then in 3.16, trust in Jesus Christ, believe in Jesus Christ, and you will not perish. Yeah. The lake of fire. Absolutely. Well, I know that we only scratch the surface as is customary for us. We don't dive as deeply as we could. We just summarize, maybe. But hopefully that helps somebody to think through uh, what sin is and kind of where why, where, and why we find humanity in the place that we do right. broken and reminds us of our only hope in life and death, and that's Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we would love to hear from you if you have some thoughts to contribute uh, to this conversation or maybe some questions or comments. Uh, you can find us on all of the major social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also find us at DoctrineDoxology.com and located there you can follow along with all the things that we're doing. There's other resources like articles posted there. Uh, you can also find all the social media links there and very important for us, you can donate or at least consider donating or spread the word uh, about the pastor's cohort. It's an opportunity for us to try to love on and invest in church leaders of various kinds, whether they are current pastors or aspiring pastors or deacons or small group leaders or whatever it may be. 
if they want to grow in their understanding of the church and of what it means to be in ministry, we have this pastor's cohort that uh, gets them books, builds, helps them build a small library, and at the same time, uh, fellowship and relationships and and some instruction. I, th- I think it's a really good deal. So you can donate to that or you can recommend somebody to that all at DoctrineDoxology.com. That's wonderful. How nice. How nice. Bless his heart. <laughs> I tell you what, it, it's such a, a great experience to walk with God and yeah. and feel his presence. I can't imagine what Adam actually felt as he was living where God wanted him to live in a close relationship. I And then having that taken away i just can't the yeah. positive and the negative i can't so imagine you, you, you visit with him talk with him walk with him daily and then all of a sudden he's not there oh i don't want to think about that yeah that's sad well he is here with us because he's promised that so would you pray yeah and we'll wrap this one up all right father we are continually amazed by you and as we read through your word and we hear the stories of how things unfolded we're just amazed and grateful that you provided that gift of life through your son we're thankful for jesus and for the salvation that he gave us help us lord to walk closely with you help us deny ourselves and say yes to you Uh, we do love you help us to always be anxious to share your great love with others and put people in our path lord so that we might share with them We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.